Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter. And of course, I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer, true crime author and criminologist Amanda Howard. You can find her at Amanda Howard 73 on Twitter, but she's never there, so go to Facebook. Hello, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Robert. I love your intros. I never know what you're going to say. Um, but I also have to include that usually before we start, Robert likes to sing a song, and today was Patty Cake. So it's it's always interesting what top 40s hit we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did Patty Cake, Patty Cake, Baker's Men, and then forgot the words, and there aren't many to them, so there you go. Um, on a serious note, Amanda, today we are continuing our psychological profile into Alex Cox and his murder of Charles Vallow. Now, we know that he did shoot Charles Vallow. What we're establishing here is how it happened. Was it self-defence or was it murder? There's a lot to unpack in this second part, isn't there? There is, and, and after doing a last week's episode, we know there's several tells that he already has things like a higher-pitched voice um, and tries to go into more detail when he's sort of pressed for details, but he will skip over questions if he doesn't think he has an answer for it. So we have a couple of things to watch out for watching him now in the more formal setting rather than sitting on a street gutter. Yes, which we saw in the last episode. We saw the um, police turning up with their body camera footage. It was an extraordinary uh, episode because we went from the 911 call to the police turning up. So we had this continuation of events. Now we're going to leave the curbside conversation there and now turn to an hour later. It's 9.35 and the footage is now showing Cox entering one of the interview rooms with a uniformed officer. In the beginning, it's quite calm. The officer examines the head injury Cox has allegedly sustained during the scuffle and make sure he doesn't require any medical attention. Then Detective Nate Moffat introduces himself and says he wants to get straight into the details of the murder. Now remember, we just heard Cox's first version. Now Moffat will allude to the fact that his story and other stories he's heard, including from Laurie, they're not matching up. So let's see how Cox's second time stacks up. Okay, I have very little understanding or knowledge of what happened. Control kind of, you know, Rob, or uh, yeah. the officer that talked to you out there, it kind of turns into a phone game. So, you know what I mean? When, some, when, when they go, yeah, this is what he says, but they're kind of rambling through it real fast. Um, and same with your sister. Your sister's name is Lori or Lauren? Lori. L-O-R-I. L-O-R-I? Okay. So, 
The big thing I want to do is just make sure that we have all the details accurate yeah. and factual. Yeah. Um, so, because kind of some of the information we got from patrol didn't really match up what Lori told us yeah. compared to. So, walk me through what happened today. Well, I uh, stayed the night with my sisters. Okay. Um, we were planning to go do something fun day. We hadn't really decided. I was thinking maybe we go. I was going to take her to the range. Okay. Um, or we do something. Okay. And we'll take you to some water park or movies or whatever. Um, so um, I stayed there last night, and this morning Charles showed up, and I don't know what started it. And Charles is your brother-in-law, her and Lori were married. Yes. Okay. So he showed up. Um, he was uh, following her and yelling. Um, and then I got between them. And then Tylee came out with her bat. And they had, I had separated for a minute. And then my sisters walked around me there in the living room. And then Charles was following Lori and yelling. And Tylee told her to get, told him to get back. She took her bat like that and shoved him and took the bat away. And I said, what are you doing? And I got between them and he hit me. And I just went down, and when I got up, he was still yelling. And uh, so I went into the bedroom where I was staying, grabbed me down, and I came back. Okay. And uh, told him to put the gun down, or the bat down. And he came to me and was saying, You're going to, what are you going to do? Like that, you come to me with the bat. So put it down, he wouldn't be came at himself. Okay. Well, Amanda, looking at that, it pretty much seems like the same story. Uh, that's probably he's adding a bit more during the toing and froing between the two. Yeah, and that's the issue here is because before when he was asked what was the argument about, he sort of had no idea, you know, doesn't know what they're saying to each other. And now he's sort of starting to fill in those gaps because he realises before that he had these gaps that he now needs to embellish. And he doesn't know if, if he was put on his ass or not. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious mm. if he was or not. So he's just trying to sort of... Um, uh, create more of the scenario to make it more heated and let's face it who's who's going to bring a bat to a gunfight and you know he <laughs> thinks that that's what's happening here and it's it's just it's it's not making sense even from those very first moments of this supposed argument well it's interesting isn't it because during traumatic moments of your life you can remember every exact detail and so when you've shot someone you would imagine you knew you knew where you were, when you were, and what happened in each little moment, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, yes and no. There are some people that um, go into a, a trauma mode and they actually block it out. And we've had killers say, oh, you know, I was at this point. But this and isn't then from the case then on, here. Like the big part. No. Well, no, it's not. But at the same time, um, he's he's presenting a very particular storyline that this was in self-defence and it was mm. in self-defence of his sister. But... Um, it's it's just it's it's not gelling the way it should be. Like he just said, so so then my sister went past me and Charles went past me, and then they were fighting in in the next room. But a second ago, he said it, he just put the guy on his ass, and he's still you know um in charge of this this situation. So it's just weird the bits and pieces that he will add throughout this. But so mm. far, his tone though has stayed very much the same. So we're going to have to see how that actually changes. Well, that'll be interesting. Okay, Moffat then asks Cox to go back to the minutes before, and Cox is certain about some parts, but as we just alluded to, not others. 
So when the when that argument first started between Lori and Charles, yeah. where in the house were they? I don't know. Okay. Where where did you first I was in my bedroom. Okay, so you were in my bedroom. And you heard the argument? Uh, when when they came right towards me. Okay, so they, they were coming down the hallway towards the bedroom? Yes. Okay, so you, you hear the argument, you step out, what's the first thing that you see? Uh, Charles chasing out Lori and yelling. Okay. Had had Tyler already gotten the the bat, did he already have the bat? Okay. So Charles is coming towards Lori. They're coming coming towards Lori. And I shoved him back. Okay. And I said, what are you doing? Because he's coming at her aggressively. Okay. He's a big dude, so I was gonna, he's not going to hurt my sister. Okay. So he's coming at her. Yeah. Um, and you, you shoved him back. Yeah. What happened right after that? Uh, and he, this the, oh, I'm sorry to he, interrupt you. He got back up and he comes right to me, doesn't look at me, and continues to yell at Lori. Okay. So he's maybe the smart one. Are you in the hallway of the house? Or uh, where right close to the doorway the, of, the, of that bedroom. Of the bedroom you were staying? Yes. Okay. So you're right near the bedroom? Yes. Okay. So then, um, I don't remember why, he backed up, and then my sister came around behind me, and ended up in the living room, and then while they're on the way to the living room, Tylee comes out of her bedroom, which is adjacent to the one I was staying in. Okay. With her dad. Okay. Yelling at Charles. Actually, she was behind Charles at first, and then she got around in front of him in the living room. Okay. So he then went back, they went back towards the living room. Yes. After, after you shoved him, did he fall to the ground when you shoved him? Uh, yeah, I think so. So the guy doesn't know if he put the guy on his ass, Amanda. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's it's such weird things that, but he answers it so quickly, like, I don't know, you know, mm. that he's not even thinking about it, which is good and bad in, in, in different ways. But um, it's it's just so strange that he seems to know particular things that, that she was coming this way and he was going that way and everything. And I have to also point out that this uh, head strike is actually going to be a little bit more important in a second as well. But we have to remember that uh, Charles didn't come at him with the bat first. So uh, he had the bat after um, he had taken it off his, his own stepdaughter who was trying to defend his mother, her, sorry, her mother apparently. But I think it's interesting that um, he's just trying to get these answers out before he has to think about it, which is a strange way to be when you're being interrogated. And I appreciate you're trying to explain this to us because there is a much bigger story <laughs> that we're not going into at this point in time that you've alluded to me and will become the a feature of a future episode of Monsters Who Murder. But there's a lot more. This is just one piece of a bigger puzzle, isn't it? Oh, the, we, we haven't even found all four corners yet. So this is very much <laughs> that very first piece that you find in the bottom of the box before you start doing that jigsaw puzzle because it's a mammoth one, this one. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. All right. All right. Moffat then goes and tries to get Cox to go over the dialogue of the argument, and again, Cox is vague. To the point, this time, of cluelessness. So he falls to the ground. He gets back up. You're, you're blocking between him and yes. Lori. Yes. And he, he basically is talking past you, still yelling at Lori. Yes. Exactly. What's he saying? I don't know. 
Now, Amanda, you can almost see Moffat making that mental note there. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because um, Cox is Cox killed this man because of the horrible things he said to his sister. So, um, and it's interesting that he now cannot remember what was said. He he cannot remember the reason that he becomes so violent that he went and got a gun and shot this man in the chest. You know, and, and this it's is just my point earlier, that- Amanda. You would remember something like that. Yeah, even if he just said, you know, my wife's a bitch or a whore or something horrible like that, anything would have been a good response to, I don't know, yeah. I don't remember. Mm. You know, it's just it's just incredulous that that's what he's going to say. And that is why Moffat there is actually taking that as a mental note because he will ask this question again and again and again mm. and there will be an answer. And so uh-huh. he, uh, um, Cox knows that he has to come up with something eventually. Yeah, I think you might be right, of course. But for now, we've seen Moffat go for a trick we've actually seen a few times before. As you're standing there between them, what happened right after that? Is that when Tyler came out with her back? No, he backed up. Okay. He was he yelled something and then he backed up. And then Lori went by me and around me in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So I he backed up. I cleared the doorway. So then she came around and then Charles was behind her pursuing her again aggressively. Okay. Tyler came out, yelled at him with the bat. Okay. And are you guys in the living room then or still in the yeah, hallway? Yeah. It starts in the hallway and then goes to the living room. Okay. So Tally gets around him in the living room. He stops. Tally goes around to the front of him, tells him to back off. What I find it easiest to do in situations like this is to just kind of draw yeah. like a rough yeah. floor plan. Sure. Ah, the old get them to draw a diagram, Amanda. I know. I love that we're so so short into the in- interview, and he's already getting him to actually make <laughs> some of these statements concrete. I love that he's doing this because we can see that he's saying, "Oh, I don't remember if he was here and I was there, and Laurie come here, and 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 the kids were there." It's interesting that he's now saying, "Well, hang on." I'm a bit confused. Let's draw this down because we know that people like Jodie Arias and 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 others have been caught by this yeah. idea of creating this plan. So um, it's going to stick the story later. But I just oh, I'm, I hope we see Moffat in other parts of of this larger story because I think he's a, a great detective. Yeah, he's very interesting, and it's interesting you mentioned Jodie Arias because we had a group chat on our Patreon page. Oh, I think this one was last year where you showed us some. Um, uh, additional photos of Jodie Arias and you were able to go into your archives and and show us stuff that we really couldn't show. Well, we weren't doing a video podcast mm. then, but um, uh, you were able to show us in more detail some things that went down and it was quite interesting to see. Yeah, and um, I am a very visual person. I like to draw things out. And um, at work, I have a, a whiteboard above my desk purely because sometimes if I have a problem I need to work out, I will draw it out, regardless if it's numbers or people or, or whatever. I like to draw things out. And so the fact that he uses this as an aid to then question him later, I think, is a great tactic, as we saw um, when we did, we did the John Bonet Ramsey Patreon only um, mm. deep dive. That was an issue, too, that we had to go through with what they were saying and what they were showing was two very, very different things. So um, that we're getting this so soon into the interview. Um, it just makes me smile. <laughs> and if you ever want to see those photos, you just need to be on the $20 tier on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash MWM Confessions. Moving on. And Cox, he well, he starts to draw the floor plan as, uh, as asked to and continues to narrate the events. 
So we'll make this the living room. Alright, and then this is the hallway. Okay. And then this is the kitchen. So Tiny's bedroom is here, my bedroom is here, and then the living room is here. Okay, you just put a living room on there so I so I know, and then you said that's kitchen. here okay is this is this area of the house where all of this incident was focused yes. at okay yeah. and then there's another bedroom here this is JJ's bedroom okay so do you first get involved when they're down by your room they come all the way into the she comes in the room and he comes right here and I stop them right here okay so she came into your room yeah okay so she comes into your room um he's coming at her aggressively yeah. and yeah. that's when you push him yep so you push him down yep and then he gets back up. Yep. And, and then he yells. And then he backs up. Okay. And then Lori goes around me, goes around him. And they're still going at it. Okay. Right? And then Tiny comes out when she hears what's going on. She has her bat. Okay. Is so, it a metal bat? Yeah, it's plastic okay. aluminum bat. Okay. So she comes at him. <laughs> and she's tiny, so that's like her thing. You know, she doesn't have anything, but she wants to help defend her mom. Really is crazy. This guy has just shot and killed a man. And he's laughing. He's talking about his 15-year-old niece grabbing a bat to hit her stepfather during a violent argument, and he's laughing about her doing that. Yeah, I mean, I I know that some of us do laugh, and and, and we always laugh during the podcast at, at strange and bizarre things because of our um, dark sense of humour. But this and, is and some people about find that being... off-putting, admittedly. But this is beyond that. Yeah, this is personal and this is like he an hour ago was apparently giving this guy CPR. So um, he there, there should be some sort of trauma involved here. But instead he's laughing that his niece tried to protect her mother by getting a baseball bat and he thinks mm. it's funny. It's just so, so strange that um, his re- reactions are, are the obverse of what they actually should be. So um, there's no nervousness, there's no... Um, I'm trying to save my ass here by telling a story. This is just matter of fact, and it's yeah. it's it's chilling. It's it's almost psychopathic. Yeah, and and I would also make the point that any of our um, dark humor comes at the expense of those who've committed the crimes, not never the victims, never the victims. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Cox then takes Moffat through the murder, and again he adds a few more extra details that are worth listening to. Um. So she comes at him, and then when and they, they've already moved back right, towards the living so they're going this way. Okay. So Lori's here, Tylee's here, Charles is here. I'm here. Tylee goes at him with the bat. Then he takes the bat away from her, and I step towards him. And he turned around, crack me. Is that that foot danger that's yes. caused on your head? Okay. Well, there was some shoving first, and I got spun around. Okay. And then popped. So I go back here, grab my gun, I come back out. He's still yelling and threatening me. Okay. And then, so I was standing here and he was there. Okay. So you're standing right there, he's right here. He's there. And you said, what happened What happened when you came out with the gun? I said, put that bat down. He's like, what are you going to do? So you're going to threaten me? I was like, no, I'm just going to defend myself. So you put that bat down. And he goes, what are you going to do it like that? And he came at me. Okay. And he already hit me in the head. Okay, so he came at you at the bat. What yes. was he doing with the bat when he, when he came at you? It was in his right hand like this. Okay, so he's holding it low and he's coming at yeah. you. Okay. 
Um, she gave him, you, how many times would you say you told him to like put the bat down? Once. Once? Okay. And then he started advancing towards you? Yes. Um, how many shots did you fire? Uh, I don't know. A couple. Okay. Were Tylee and your sister? I don't, I don't, I didn't see him, so I don't know. Okay. Who they were. Okay, so he's now saying that uh, Valo shoved Cox a few times and threatened him before Cox shot him in self-defence. Yeah, so slowly we're getting to a point where he's telling more of, of the story and now he's adding dialogue, which he hadn't before. So, um, and it's like, oh, what are you going to do about it? Which which isn't a major part of it. But also, I know I keep saying that you don't bring a bat to a gunfight, but I've just done a bit more Googling and... Um, Valo was actually a semi-pro baseball player, so had he hit him in the back of the head with the baseball bat, as they claim happened, he'd be dead. Cox wouldn't yeah. have been able to grab one if 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 Valo had come at him. However, Valo also had no history of, of violence away from this relationship. Um, but the interesting part is that what he has just said absolutely contradicts something that he had said earlier in the gutter. Um, I want to play that part again because it's really, really important to uh, see how these two parts of, of the story don't match up. Okay, let's take a look. I, I stepped in and told him they needed to separate, right? So then my sister leaves with my knees. Okay, Amanda, so he just <laughs> said there they were still there when he shot him, but earlier he had said what we saw there, that they had left. Exactly. So there's our timeline completely destroyed. So he is standing there and he is shooting a man to protect him from coming at his his um, sister, but he said before he told him to go and they had left and this fight ensued and he shot him afterwards. Now, if that is the case, why was Laurie so calm and collected when she came back to see 1,400 police cars outside her house? If she had left? Yeah. And if she ha and and if he had shot him in front of her, why would she have gone to school that day to to, to drop mm -hmm. the kids off off? Or if she had left and then um, Cox had shot Vallo, wouldn't she come up in a panic saying, "Oh my God, what has happened?" So it's funny. That it's funny you say this, Amanda, because I was literally I've been watching the um, interview and I've I've just had that moment when he was talking about how he was. Um, you know, defending her, it did occur to me that they turned up at, at one point during um, the curbside interview and were just as calm as anything. Now, if they had been there when he shot Valo, then he they should have stayed. You don't go out for a cup of tea and scones. Um, and, and, take, if, and take the victim's car. Yes. And if they weren't, why weren't they more shocked when they turned up? <laughs> oh, I love cases laugh. like this <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that was a comment, not a question really uh, Moffat then reiterates <laughs> his understanding of what happened You were in your room Yeah Had you even gotten up and like been out, out of your room? Yeah, I brushed my teeth Okay, so you're in your room, you hear He's um, on the phone and I just hear them coming around the hall quick Had you seen Charles before or like that morning? No Okay, so no. you hear them arguing Yeah and by the time I see him, he's at the doorway. At your door. And I shut him back. So Lori comes into your room. Yep. You're in your room. Yep. You get up at the doorway and basically get between him and Lori. Yep. You push Charles back. Yep. He may he probably fell down to the ground or did fall to the ground. He stumbled back. 
Okay. So he stumbles back. He gets, get, comes right back up, yeah. and he's talking past you, yes. still yelling at yes. But you don't know what he was yelling at. I don't remember. Okay. So at, a, at some point in time, Charles backs up. Lori comes out, and they both go around you towards the living room. Yes. Tylee comes out of her room with a bag. Yeah. Um, and basically, they've made their way into the living room. Yes. So Tylee pokes her dad in the back. In the front. In the chest. Okay, so she, she's yeah. come around this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's so, come around. So this is Tylee, and that's Charles. Okay, so she pokes him in the in the back, yeah. or in the chest with the bat. Yeah. You know how many times about her? Just once. Just once. So he grabs the bat, takes it away. You come towards him. Yeah. Um, and then what happened right after that? He showed me and spun me around. Okay. And then cracked me in the back of the head. Cracked you in the back of the head. Yeah. Hit you one time. Yeah. Okay. So you go back to your room. I stumbled for you. Yeah. And I went back in. Did you fall to the ground when you, when you got hit with the bat? No, I just, my head bounced. Okay. So you go back to your room. Yeah. Get the gun. Yeah. Come back to the living room. Yeah. Now, Tylee and Lauren, Lori are gone. Yeah. And it's just me and Charles in the room. Okay. And Charles, what's he doing again? He's got the bat. Okay. And he's uh, and he's looking at me and he's going, and I told him, that I said, Charles, put that bat down. And he goes, what are you going to do about it? How are you holding the gun when that happened? <laughs> holding the right okay, so you pointed it out. Yeah. You tell him, Charles, put the gun down. Yeah. Put, put the bat down. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? He's like, what are you going to do about it? Okay. And then comes at me. Okay. And then you fire a couple times. Yeah. Um, but you're not sure how many. You know it was more than one. I'm pretty sure it was two. Two. Okay, two shots. Where were you aiming on his body? Just center. Okay, so you're pretty sure two shots center mass. Yeah. He falls to the ground. You don't see Lori or Tylee anymore. Correct. You go to the kitchen, grab a rag for your head. Yeah, throw some paper towels and wash my hands off. And then go back to your room, put the gun down, yeah. grab your phone, yeah. come back to the kitchen and call in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they wanted me through and tried to do... Um, CPR. Okay. See, Amanda, I think it's very believable that this guy, Alex Cox, got hit on the head with a baseball bat and only bounced a bit because there's nothing in there. If he thinks this story is believable, then he is as thick as two short planks. Like, seriously, this guy's got nothing up top, so I'm not surprised a a, a big hit over the head did nothing. Like, seriously. (laughs) It's so amazing how this story keeps changing. And, you know, like before, I don't know how many times I shot him and then just then he says, oh, sorry, so you shot him what? And he goes, I'm sure it was two. You know, like it changes from I'm not sure a couple to I'm sure it was two. It's these quantifying statements he's making when he's mm. embellishing the story and getting more of it together. And now he doesn't know where they were, like um the others in the house. That is the major part of this. That is where their story collapses. And it's um we're seeing this also as an isolated crime and they don't know what's about to happen. This is like one of the first of many murders that are going to be linked to this family. So um, at this time, they have no reason to believe otherwise that this is just a brother protecting his sister. Mm. But it's still not believable. He's still he, he, um, Moffat's not taking this at face value because he knows that it's not ringing true. You know, and and the fact that he goes from oh, I think or I don't know, I don't know what he said to me. Literally, there was a moment there where um, the detective asked for him to say what Charles had said, and he just made a grunting 
grunting noise because he had no answer and couldn't think fast enough to come up with one that he just sort of made these sounds and that was it. As I said, thick. Um, <laughs> and, and, again, shows that the girls were there, so that leaves a whole lot of other questions. Look, we're, we're going to fast-forward time now because... During this next section, Moffat leaves the room for more than an hour. Cox remains in the room, and during that time, the crime scene team turn up and take photos and swabs of his hands, face, and the back of his head. When Moffat returns, he wants to clarify a few points, and again, the story changes. When you, when the, when the, the, the yeah. argument when actually came to you, you said you were on the phone? No. Okay, you were just in the room? Yeah. Okay, I thought you said you were on the phone. No. So you weren't on the phone with anybody? No, my you phone were, was in that room. Okay, your phone was in the room, so were you. Yeah. And then they, they came your way. Yeah. Um, and then you're not sure where Lori and Tylee were when you came when back. When I came back, back out, that's correct. Okay. Um, where was your gun at in the room? Uh, it was in my bag and a case at the foot of the bed. So okay. the bed was here, and then the gun was here in the case. Okay. Inside, like a duffel bag or something? Yeah, it was like a zip, uh, yeah, a little orange bag, okay. and then uh, my case was in there. Okay, is it the hard plastic? Yeah, the hard case? plastic with the foam and the extra clips and everything. Okay. Um, is there a reason you spent the night there last night? No, not really. Okay. Just hang out. We're going to hang out today. Okay. Um, did your sister ever tell you she was concerned for her safety or well-being for Charles coming there? No. Okay. But, um watching him interact with her i was okay so um do you normally carry a gun with you yeah okay but you didn't have it on your person during this no okay when we talked about tylee basically having the bat charles taking the bat yeah. away from tylee you said there was a struggle after that yeah what what happened i mean i grabbed it from this. behind okay and then we went to the ground and then um and then we separated, and he hit me, and then that's when I left. Okay. So you grabbed him from behind. Yeah. How come you grabbed him from behind? Because he was in front of me, and he was going after Tiny with the bat. Okay, I'm a little bit confused. There seems to be a bit uh, some more embellishments there, but he's now saying that they both struggled for the bat and both fell to the ground, and then Charles was chasing Tiny with the bat. That's new, isn't it? It is. So, again, it's changed again. Again, he's got these different uh, parts of, of the story that, that that's coming out. You know, before he had no idea if, if he went down, he had no idea if Charles went down. And so now it's like, okay, well, we both went almost down and then he was doing this and my yeah. gun was here. Like he literally says that he, you know, in this in this hot-headed fight, he went and got his gun out of out of his lock case in his bedroom and then come back out rather than grabbing the nearest thing to, to go into a bat fight w with him. It's just so crazy that he's making these different changes and it's these nuances that he's going to provide that he's not going to remember because it's not imprinting. This is just parts mm. that he's using to imprint. 
Absolutely. And I also have to point out, um, because I haven't before this, is that in that interview, um, Cox is as far away from the detective as he can get, which is up against the wall. He has his chair leaning back away as possibly he, he can, but then he does lean forward sometimes when he's telling part of, of, of the story to sort of make it seem more important, whereas other times he's sitting way back because he doesn't have to worry about the parts that are the truth. He, he wants to only animate those parts that he's trying to fill in those story parts with. I'll have to pay more attention to that on the video feed. Uh, it's interesting, Amanda, the thing I noticed that if it has de-escalated enough that he can go and get his gun from a locked cabinet, then the fact is he's come in while the biffo's not in process. It's, it's one thing if a guy's coming at you and you're grabbing your gun and going, stop, but obviously yeah. at some point this de-escalated enough for him to be able to go to a locker and get his gun. Exactly. And if it had de-escalated, that would likely mean that also if Velo had the bat, he would have put it down. Yeah. He's not going to stand there and say, I'm going to hold this bat just in case he might come back with a gun. It's so incredulous, this story that he's trying to create, because he thought, oh, yeah, they had a fight and I stepped in, I was the hero and I shot him. But the the, the detective is asking those minute details, which is how these people get caught. They think that their their big, broad story is enough. But then it's like, well, what did he say? What, what made you decide that you were going to shoot this man dead? in the chest yeah. at very close range. And so, and he can't answer that. He cannot say what he called Laurie or what he said or any of, of, of this threatening fight. He just knows that they were shouting at each yeah. other. You know, you would remember things. Like, yo, there would be something that he would say that would make you so infuriated that you're going to go, right, I'm stepping in now. And and he, he doesn't have that. Well, in this next clip, uh, there's the number one piece of evidence Cox has he then changes that story too. What was he doing with the bat? He, he just grabbed it from her and then I jumped in. I don't know what he okay. did. So he was going after Tylee with yes, the bat. Yes. And you grabbed him from behind. Yes. Around the neck or? Or over the shoulder like this. Okay. You grabbed him from behind. Yeah. You pulled him back and you guys I pulled him back. We both went to the ground. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you see him swing the bat at you? No. Okay. So you pulled him to the ground. You got back up. I got back up. He hit me in the back of the head. I don't know. It was with the bat or not. I assumed it was. Hang on. He didn't just say that, did he? We can see the bloody wound on the back of Cox's head during this entire interview, and now he is going to query if the injury was from a bat or not. What else would it have been? Exactly, and this is apparently a semi um, pro baseball player, as I've just found out. And this guy's holding this bat. Remember, this fight hasn't de-escalated, but he's gone and got his his gun anyway to shoot him. And he says that he was threatening him with the bat. And now he's saying, oh, might not have been the bat. Could have been anything. I mean, Doesn't really, that is the one part that you would stick to. And let's face it, if you're going to get hit by a bat, you're going to feel that ping. I'm sure <laughs> he knows exactly what hit him. If it was Charles that hit him with the bat, which is my whole... Does. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see where Tweedledum goes now. Let's have a look. He still has the bat. Yes. Is he now focused at you? Or yes. Is he focused at Lori? He's focused at me. Okay. He's yelling at me, and then he moves towards me. What was he? What was he saying to you? Do you remember? Not really. Okay. Um, I just remember yelling. Okay. And then I was watching more body language. 
And when someone aggressively comes at you. Okay. Are you, uh, give your CCW? Yeah. Okay. So you, um, so he, he's basically coming at you and he's yelling, you're watching his body language. Yeah. And you said you told him, and I, I, I didn't, when we're talking, yeah. I'm not I'm trying to not take notes and listen to what you're saying. I'm trying to calm the situation. Okay. I'm going to drop your bat and he's fuck you and whatever. Okay. I'm in. Um, did you, did you ever tell him to leave or did you say drop the bat or? First I just said drop the bat. Okay. And then did you say anything else after that? I didn't have time. Okay. So he came after you with the bat. Yeah. He's kind of holding it in yeah. his hand. In his right hand. Okay. Um, you fire a couple times. Yeah. And then you go to the kitchen. Correct. And then back to the bedroom. Yes. Okay. When you went back to the bedroom, you washed your hands. No, I washed, right, so you washed your hands in the kitchen. Yeah. You put your gun back in your room. Yeah. Where'd you set it at? Uh, it's on the floor. Okay. So you set it on the floor. Um, get your phone. Yep. Call 911. Yep. And then when did you realize Lori had gone? Did you call her? No. Okay. So you called 911. Did you do CPR on him? I did. Okay. I tried. Okay. Um, but you weren't on the, I, I must have missed it. I thought you said you were on the phone when, when, uh, oh, yeah, no. you, did you hear them arguing about his phone? I don't, all I heard was her say, don't touch me. And then him okay. coming right after her. Um, I know you've got something to throw in here, but I want to say if Laurie had gone, he didn't think, and he's just shot him, he didn't think to call her? <laughs> yeah, funny that, isn't it? It's it's an interesting part of this story, and now he's added a bit more dialogue to the fight, but it's only after Moffat says, weren't they fighting about their phone or something? So it's interesting that um, these answers he's, he's giving Many times just then, as Moffat asked the question, Cox would come in and go, yep, no, like really, really quickly. And then when he's asked, did you ring Laurie? It's about three or four seconds before he actually responds to that one. Can we just watch that again? Because I love Before these. we go back to the video, okay. did I actually yep. um, pick up on the same thing as you? You did? Hey, <laughs> ring the bell. What a monumental <laughs> moment. Fabulosa. Play the clip. Um, get your phone. Yep. Call 911. Yep. And then when did you realize Lori had gone? Did you call her? No. Okay. Yeah. It, it was different and there was a significant pause before he answered. He knows I something know. was different there. Yeah, he was totally confused because because when you're asked a question that you're not expecting and you didn't do the right thing because of what the officer suggests is what should have happened, he has to think of the evidence he has to prove or disprove this before he can respond because if he did ring her, he has to think now, like, did I ring her? Was that on, on my mobile phone? You know, and all, all of this sort of stuff because why wouldn't he have mm. rung her and say, oh, my God, I've just killed Charles, you know, please come home, something like that. But there's no 100%. proof that that ever happened in this moment. So I just love things like that where they go, yep, 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 oh, and can't answer that <laughs> next question. My favourite well, thing. I know it is. Well, Moffat then asked Cox to go over another incident a few months earlier. You said that you a couple months ago, Tylee was at your house mm -hmm. and... 
he came over. What, what happened? Tell me a little bit more about that. He was going insane trying to locate Lori because Lori wasn't talking to him. Okay. They had split up. So he was bugging everybody in the family, blowing up their emails, phones, just sending text messages, just anything he could do to try and get somebody to tell Lori to contact him. So he was just spazzing out. So Tylee and I were pulling up to my house and he comes, he followed us and then he sped up and blocked my driveway and he got out and ran up to me real aggressively like he was going to do something and he just stopped and talked and then Tylee got out and yelled at him and uh, and then that lasted, I don't know, 15 minutes in the front. Okay. A lot of screaming between, a lot of screaming Tylee at Charles and Charles uh, trying to leave and her not letting him because she wanted to get everything out that was bothering her. Okay. So he didn't go after Tylee at that time. Physically, he did not okay. do anything. Um, have you have you spent a lot of time around Charles? Yeah. Is he is he hot headed? Not normally. Okay. So have you ever besides the argument between him and Tylee, have you ever seen him like you saw him today? No. Okay. No. Uh, how would you describe him today? Uh, very aggressive. Okay, thanks, B. Yep, yep. Uh, Amanda, you might have noticed that um, he said the word spazzo in there. Beyonce's just rung me. She said she's going to remix it to take that word out. Yeah, that's a reference for all the pop culture people out there. Thank you very much. I'm on fire. Uh, <laughs> do you get that reference, Amanda? I do, I do, yeah. But more about, um, oh, now I forget her name. I was going to say the other artist who did that. Monica Lewinsky. My daughter. No, no, no. No, she also took um, issue with Beyonce. Lizzo. No, oh, Rizzo. Yes, right. Yep. Okay. No, Lizzo. Well, Lizzo. L. I was keeping it contemporary because Beyonce just happened this week. Anyway, just, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on to the issue at hand. Um, uh, so, getting serious again. I have to say, Amanda, this argument today, it seemed to have only been for a few minutes and it was enough for Cox to shoot him. But there he is explaining another situation where he was verbally attacking Tylee for 15 minutes and he didn't feel the need to step in that time. I'm not buying this for a second. Exactly. Isn't it amazing? And we see how much detail he went in about that last fight and he says that, you know, he's he's not usually um, abusive and then he's saying he abused Tylee for that long and all of these sort of things happen but this time he can't tell you what they said, can't tell you how long it happened, can't tell you how many times he shot him, all of this sort of stuff um, about the major moment but he can go back a couple of months later and, and, and talk about another episode but... To me, that seemed to have been more aggressive and longer. And here we are, mm. not long and, yeah, it just, yeah, yeah, not buying it. Yeah, well, usually as we end a police interview, we give a rundown on what happened to the perpetrator and their sentencing. But this time, we leave it here, as there are many more twists and turns to come as we slowly unravel the Vallo Daybell case over the coming months and possibly years. I did allude to this earlier, but this is one piece of a very big jigsaw. So, Amanda, no outcome. We've just seen lots of police interviews. This is to be continued, but not next week. Nope, nope. This is a case that we're going to bring as each piece sort of uh, gets through the courts and and other pieces of legislation are are being um, 
published about it. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I know where it's kind of heading, but you never know. A court case can have a couple of twists and turns. And as we said, it could be years before we get to the final episode of, of this case. But it's going to be a deep dive that we're going to just spread out and just do it bits and pieces just to mm. uh, give us a break from big deep dives, but as in a case that we've had a lot of requests for. And what have you got for us next week, Miss Serial Killer Whisperer? Uh, no serial killers next week. Um, we're actually doing a 911 call that um, makes me so furiously angry and um, it's taken me a couple of times to get through writing it up because it is as infuriating as the case we did where the poor woman drowned in her, her car. This one's going down that same track, but very okay. different. Well, that was a really um, big case to listen to and, and important to listen to, to know what's going on out there. So uh, I, I I won't say I'm looking forward to next week, but uh, I, I, you know, it, it will be a big one by the sounds of it and one worth listening to. Thank you, Amanda. We'll see you next week on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 